Hello and welcome to the show. This is PR for Humans. It's the podcast for communicators and people who are interested in communication. And here today we've got Lisa Orkerson, who is a... Well, you can introduce yourself maybe, Lisa, in a second, in case I get it all wrong. But you're a voice coach. You're someone who helps people with presentations and helps to give people um, some presence on the stage. Is that is that broadly right? That is indeed broadly right. Thank you, Mike. I am indeed... I work with business people predominantly now, helping them use their voices with impact, be able to take the stage, and it may be a physical stage where they're speaking to hundreds, if not sometimes thousands of people, but also the stage within their business world. So speaking to their teams, speaking to their execs or seniors, and equally being able to pitch ideas and have them land confidently. Yeah. And which is one of the key things a lot of business people say is how can I come across with confidence, credibility and gravitas? Yeah, and these these are all important things and we can we can find words on a, on a piece of paper, we can give people a good script, we can even find a good story for them, but and we we have lots of different storytellers on the podcast talking about all those things, but the final bit is actually the person who has to stand up and deliver this thing in front of an audience and well, whether we like it or not, that is a big part of it, isn't it? I mean, I always think you could take exactly the same speech and give it to two different people and you'd have a completely different result depending on how able that person is to project some of these qualities you're talking about. Indeed, I think that is crucial. And I think at the heart of it now, we talk a lot about authenticity and you want that person right in the heart of that story or that presentation. We don't want to really see a performance but we want to see them through the performance landing their messages. Okay, so that's interesting. So are we I mean you come from a from a, a sort of theatrical background or an acting I do background indeed. Yes, indeed. and and so do I to a certain extent although in the in the amateur field and and I'm quite interested in this question about is it a performance or is it the real person and where is the boundary between those two. I mean, if you're acting, you're clearly taking on a character that's not you. But if you're in business, it is you. Um, so are you trying to make people into, I don't know, a better version of themselves? Or or are you trying to make them into someone a bit different? That's a really good point. And I would say it's a better version of themselves or a more polished version of themselves. And that's a nice way to look at it because I think most people get quite frightened about the idea of performing or being other than themselves. However, let's be really honest. We do have to bring a level of performance if we're talking to a large group of audience because you can't show up and have a voice that just doesn't carry, can you? No, no, or I don't. Or a so. posture that just doesn't embrace the space. So there is an element, of course, of performance but it's about bringing you to that highest place yeah. so that you can shine in that performance. Yeah, and it, it is hard. It does take a lot. I mean, I, I spoke at a conference last week and someone was very kind and came up to me and said, Mike, you're a complete natural. And I'm thinking, I, I've been working on this for 20 years, you know, developing these skills. <laughs> and it's, I'm glad they liked it, but it's it, I, natural, maybe some of it is, but there's a lot of hard work, I think, goes into becoming a better presenter and a better uh, performer. So, so just tell, talk me through how you work with, um, with your clients. What is the process by which you, you get them to this state where they are more confident, more convincing on, on the stage? Mm. 
I think one of the key things, obviously, is understanding what your client's needs are. And they can vary, but I think at the very core of it, most of them are looking to come across with more impact. They want the confidence. They want to get rid of those nerves before they have to stand up and be looked by, you know, eyes, whether it's five eyes or 100, and know that they can hold their own in that space. So I think one of the key things I look at when I work with individuals is how do you prepare before you even get on that stage? What do you need to do to feel that confidence? And the preparation comes in so many different forms because I think with a lot of people, they just think it's about getting it up on the PowerPoint or having to just memorize information or regurgitate things that they think the audience wants to hear. But ultimately, it's about being very clear and succinct about your message, having, as we just talked about, a very clear structure and storyline, and then being able to bring all of that and manifest that through you so that there is that authenticity piece surrounding it. Uh, Once the moment you step on that stage, it's about presence. It's about the space you own. And I would say for the vast majority of people, they want to get on and get off as quickly as possible. So it's how can I enjoy might be perhaps a bit indulgent Mm. a term, but how can I actually stand up there and own that space? Yeah. And owning is about really being able to be looked at. And and sort of enjoy that and and find peace with that in some form, even though it's never a natural thing. And I think even... The most experienced speakers will feel nervous and sometimes uncomfortable. Absolutely. Um, but it, but if they don't give that impression, they give the impression that they could be there all day, yes. and it's the most natural place in the world is just standing on that stage talking through this stuff. Absolutely. And that is that is um, a difficult thing to to master. I think I totally agree about the the preparation side, and, and one of the well, one of the problems that, that people like us have is that is that you you can think about it as as Here's the preparation you need to do. Here's the clarity you need to have. Here's the frame of mind you need to be in. And then the person actually arrives for the real presentation. And the first five minutes is trying to plug in the bloody laptop. And there isn't an HDMI lead. And, you know, everyone's kind of flustered before you even you even start. So, I mean, just before in that crucial kind of, you know, 10 minutes, five minutes before the presentation, the speech begins, what what can someone do to find that kind of serenity that they might need, do you, do you think? <laughs> That's a really good point, is it? Because we can't control the technology. And I think before we even talk about that, I think that a really important point is actually being prepared in terms of knowing what the ecology of the room is going to look like, knowing you've got that glass of water so that if you have a nervous moment or if your mouth dries up in terms of the fight or flight response, that you've got things as prepared as you possibly can be. So where's that table that I put my you know cards on or my water on where is the technology in relation to where I'm standing how can I prepare for that so it gives me a sense of confidence when I walk into that space that I know I can own that space and I'm not standing there wondering if something's not working or you know I my notes are not in the right place and I have to hold them in my hand so I think preparation is key however if things do all fall apart One of the most important things is being able to stop, take a pause and get your breath back into the right state. Because the breath is a key place of where we shift our emotional and psychological state. Yes. So if you can't work or don't know what to do when you're in that state and you don't know how to actually take that breath into what we would describe as 
intercostal diaphragmatic breathing, which is a far deeper form of breathing than that shallow, more clavicular breath, then you immediately find yourself in a place of adrenaline rush, cortisol rising, and then thinking, how quickly can I get out of this? Which then means your pace increases Mm. and you then go into a rather blank mindset. Yes, and and lots of people, I think, feel... Well, they're not they're not in control of the speed, so they feel like they're being rushed when actually they're giving the talk, right? They can slow down, take that moment, and and actually the pausing. I think you're so right about that moment to compose yourself and get and get just get sort of centered again and get get ready to deliver the next thought, whatever that is. Mm. But but also actually a pause can be really powerful for the audience because mm. it can focus them on the speaker Absolutely. and and what they're saying. So so I think. Um, Pause is one of the, the the notes that I find myself giving most regularly to people that that I work with. Just just slow down a bit. Um, let's talk about voice. So what? Why why is voice? Oh, clearly, it's important. We're doing a podcast. Um, this is this is the audio medium. Um, but wh- why is it so important? Do you think in in communications? If you think about the fact that we're now in this technological age where virtual meetings. You know, conference calls are all such a big part, certainly within the business world. Your voice is the first thing people hear. And if you don't have a physical presence in the room, which seems to be happening less and less as we become more globally connected, then it's your voice that creates the impact. And how powerful that voice is, how resonant that voice is, how strong that voice is, has a visibility in the room if you're not there. And if you are able to interject, if you're able to land that message, if you're able to have an audible or rather an uh, audible presence, yes, that's right, mm. in the room, then people will stop and listen to you. And that is far more likely to get a response than someone who's trying desperately to be heard, but actually has a voice that's rather light or breathy mm. or just doesn't carry. Mm. So is it about, I mean, we, we, we all remember the... Um the Margaret Thatcher story of her having voice coaching and and lots of politicians I'm sure have have had voice coaching and and what what is it all about trying to get a a lower sort of deeper more powerful voice what 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 are you aiming for when you coach the voice yes i think with the voice there are numerous aspects the first part of the voice is obviously connecting with their breath and without the breath and i mean that deeper breath then you're not going to have a voice really because that's where it all stems from Once the breath is working from the intercostal muscles, which are really the muscles in between the ribs that allow that lovely movement of the ribs to allow the lungs to breathe more deeply. And once you get that lovely movement in the diaphragm downwards, which allows the belly to expand, you immediately then create this cavern in which your voice can bounce off and voice bounces off bone structure. And as you know, with the rib cage and with the muscles or not muscles but the skull that resonates you then hear your timbre and your voice this depth and as well as this lovely sort of resonant higher pitches in your voice it's a very different quality than having a voice that doesn't have resonance which is light and breathy which again tends to be more female dominated women tend to use less breath and less resonance chest resonance than men do you're far more fortunate because you've got a sort of deeper voice box the larynx is much bigger and so your vocal folds are thicker so you tend to sit much more in your chest resonance so when I work both with men and women depending on what 
voices they bring in, I'd be looking at what's their breath doing? Are they connecting with that resonance? Do they use the chest resonance, which is, as you rightly say, it is the gravitas piece of our voice. However, if I only stay there, my voice gets rather dull, as you can hear, if I'm just using that lower part of my range. However, if I use a little bit more brightness in my voice, it gives it vocal variety. So there is that whole palette that you want to use in your voice. What are you actually saying? Mm. Where does it need to come from? Does it match your message? Is it something you want to inspire people with? In which case, the voice has got to have energy. It's got to move a little high in your range. Or is it all about facts and credibility and you want to land your message sounding very, very serious? So this is a really important point you need to make. So it's about what you want to say and then it's about how you say it. And how easy is it for somebody to actually change their voice because I think we all recognize what you're saying and we recognize the qualities um, that the best sort of vocal communicators have Mm. but can we take a business person man or woman who for whatever reason just doesn't have a very effective or powerful voice and and train them clearly you believe that it is possible because that's what you're doing for for a living but how just how difficult is that process often well actually funnily enough it's not very difficult um, once you understand how the voice works and Often what I certainly do is I record individuals before so we get a chance to sit down together and look at their voice and actually dissect it and say, look, listen to what you're doing with your voice. These are some fantastic things that really give your voice that resonance or enables you to project that voice. And these are the things that perhaps you might want to consider doing differently because actually it's not adding to... The, the confidence you might want to have, or the weight, or the presence. And then based on that, we then do, or rather I do, a regime that involves them going through a coaching session, which identifies what they need to work with, and then we unpick it session by session. Starting off, interestingly enough, we talk about the voice, starting off with the posture, because unless the body is in the right place, and I mean free of tension as much as mm. it can be, unless you're actually able to use your spine. And I talk about the length of the spine Mm. to find that presence and be able to use your gestures. I'm doing right now as I speak to you and your audience can't hear me or can't see me using it. But the gesture also reinforces the verbal message. So you're starting off with the body. You're starting off from the feet, the knees, the hips, the spine, the shoulders, the arms, the facial expressions and then from there we're working through the breath and all the other components I just spoke about that adds to the whole vocal picture that that specific individual wants to communicate it does not take as long as you think it does you know for an actor which I worked with many years ago working with actors for the stage that's a three-year process because you're really embedding some deep changes But in the business world, you can imagine it's very different. You know, business people want it very quickly. They Mm. want tips, techniques, tools. Cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. There's no time lying on the floor, you know, with the Alexander technique, you know, exploring your voice in the same way. So you've got to get there very quickly for them. And over the years, I mean, I've been doing this for just over 20 years, you find some very, very quick things that enable that individual to get the results they want 
in a very short space of time because they'll tell you how busy they are. Yes. And, you know, and although they think they might want to prioritize it, all sorts of other things get in the way and, 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 and how difficult it is in, in, every, in every instance to find that dedication. But I guess once they see the results and yes. once they well hear the results Absolutely. and the effect they have on others, then then that that does have an effect. Now, I, I, I when you were talking about the physical nature of, of of the voice and that being in tune with what you're thinking, it did remind me of quite a bit of my my broadcasting career and the times when I used to go on the radio and I'd often um, think if I actually smile a little bit when I'm on the radio, and you probably hear this in the voice now, if I start to smile when I'm talking, mm -hmm. it brings a whole different quality to my voice. And you can, you can actually hear a smile and you can hear that somebody is, is kind of happy in that way or at least you know, physically projecting that thought. Indeed. And I think it's so true with, with, with so much of communication that there's some, sometimes, and I think it's particularly a problem in the business world, there's just this disconnect between the brain and the way the stuff comes out and actually peel back the layers and these people are quite often quite interesting, quite emotional, quite passionate people, but you wouldn't know it from the way that they present and perform on stage. Absolutely. And we know how quickly... You know, people make judgments of us when we stand up and speak, especially if they don't know us. I mean, it's a matter of seconds. And it's that first impression that decides whether someone trusts you, likes you, thinks you're credible, wants to work with you. And you can blow it very quickly, even though you might be the complete expert in your field. Mm. If there's a competitor there who's able to communicate and deliver that same piece of information, but with so much more presence and gravitas, we buy into that. Yeah, and there's real there's real financial value in this stuff. It's it's not just um, the nice stuff on top, the yes. surface stuff, is it? Is no, it's you not know, at the, all. That makes the di the different the difference of a you know a couple of percent here and there. It could could completely swing a a business deal or a meeting, uh, depending on whether somebody's got or a pitch. Absolutely. Yeah, those those crucial moments in life and business mm -hmm. where you know the, the 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 road forks and you go one way or the other, and if you get it right. You can you can go down the path Absolutely. that you want to go down. So that's um, something we should all aim for. So um, in terms of um, preparing for like presentations, speeches, are there any kind of tips that you'd give uh, for someone just in the run up to that kind of big event? Mm, yes, absolutely. I would say one of the key things with a presentation is know your audience. I'm amazed how many people come with the same presentation they presented yeah. <laughs> to a group of senior individuals and then, you know, a completely different mm. turnout of an audience and they're using the same information oh, structured in the that. same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect the audience enough to at least consider them in the process of getting Absolutely. ready for the speech. Because if you yeah. don't know who you're speaking to, how can you craft that message to land with that audience because they're so different if you're talking to a group of leaders CEOs you know decision makers of companies you really need to make sure that message is succinct it's got to have value that they can take away instantly they've got to see the benefits it's got to have financial value mm. and it's got to be the big picture they're not looking for detail here and if you're working on the other end or you're speaking to a group of people who are analytics or got a very analytical mind you know your ITs your engineers your architects you can't come in with that big picture and talk in sort of you know broad spectrums you've got to be well researched you've got to know your detail and you've got to provide them with the information that's going to get their buy-in because that's how their mind works so 
often I say to people, tell me who's who's in the audience? Is it a spectrum of different groups? Is it one group? And I'm amazed how very little presenters actually know their audience. Mm. So I always say start from that place. It's start just from the audience. Start yeah. from the audience yeah. so that you make your life so much easier. Otherwise you're going to get hecklers, you're going to get challenges, <laughs> you're going to get people walking out of the room because they don't find this, this <laughs> landing. And them. that's that so we talk about mistakes. That that's the biggest mistake that people make, I guess. They don't that consider is one of the, the biggest mistakes they make. And and what are the what are some of the other I mean, oh, public speaking is so full of pitfalls. I don't know where to start. Uh, but what are the, some of the other things that that you notice that clients get wrong or need particular help with avoiding terms of mistakes? Mike, you will know this one, death by PowerPoint. Mm. Yeah. This is one of the crucial mistakes when clients think they can use the PowerPoint as a crutch to hide or camouflage their lack of preparation sometimes. Yeah. So I'll... You know, I'll sling all my notes on that, and let's the let the audience work it out. You yeah, know? yeah. Oh, um, I hate that. And 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 sometimes I'll arrive, and they'll I'll say, "Is the speech ready?" And say, yeah, I'll get the I'll get the speech up, and they open the PowerPoint. I say, "That's not the speech. That is not the speech. That's the that's the if you those are some slides you may or may not be using. That's right. You're the speech. You know, just absolutely. Me. That's what they come to. <laughs> they've come to see you. They haven't yeah. come to see the slides. And if your slides are all that's that's here then really you shouldn't be there because your slides as you know with just the supportive material they should have the minimal information on them and the more visual they are the more captivating they are and the more supportive they are of you that's when your success is so often I'll say to clients how minimalistic can you make this think about it like a tweet in a way Mm. you know take as much information out of it and really they're there to just signal things that perhaps will be far more powerful than your words can be. But support you, but not support not you. take the focus completely away from you, which Absolutely. is what so many of these so-called presentations do. Exactly. Okay, so that's that's PowerPoint. What about um, the, the thorny old question of, of when you're delivering a speech, should you have the whole thing written out? Should you have bullet points on, on cue cards? Should you memorize it? Um which I, 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 I do myself sometimes, but I do not ever recommend to others. Uh, that's my personal view. But I wonder what you, you think about that. Yes, about that, those, that's a, those are really good questions. <laughs> often asked questions. Problem with memorizing, I mean, obviously it's an actor's domain because that's what they have to do with their characters and plays, is unless you're word perfect with them and you've got the time to do it, mm. it can absolutely throw you it can go horribly oh, wrong it could go that's, so that's why i don't advise anyone wrong. to do it and i think it takes a week two weeks minimum to learn a, a proper you know even a 10 minute speech say Absolutely. Um, and you've got to throw yourself at it for every day exactly and, and get to the point where you know it know it know it not just kind of know it exactly so that you can just allow yourself to flow with it it doesn't take over because if you find you've lost your place in that script you will dry yeah so easy to dry Whereas actually, and there's no way, there's no way out. What do well, you do then? They just walk off stage. Exactly. <laughs> and lib or, you know, it, it shows quite clearly. And also, if you're not fully off script, it can sound very stilted. Mm. And then your personality won't come through it because you'll be thinking, what's the next bit? What's the next bit? And yeah. you're worrying all the time. It's that actor's nightmare. Right. You've forgotten the lines. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think unless you absolutely can do that very well, you've got a good memory and you've got time to do it, Avoid that. 
I think the best thing to do is actually to work off bullet points or mm. mind mapping, which is often I, what I suggest that my clients do. So if you have a mind map and you are very clear how to use that mind map, that's going to make your life easy because it's on one card and you can see very clearly where you want to go or you can dot around mm. depending on how that's structured with your audience. So let's just say you've got a bit of Q&A going, going on in that presentation and you've been asked to do it that way or you've chosen to do it that way, then let's say part of that question takes you on to the topic you haven't yet come to. You can dip into that, feel quite comfortable talking about that subject matter and know that you can come back to topic two because you've got it on the mind map. Mm. You're not thrown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a really powerful way of working. But equally, you can work off bullet points and know what those highlighted bullet points are and then talk around the subject that you're comfortable doing. Having rehearsed it, you know, in terms of just practice doing it a couple of times, not word for word, but just a flow. Yes. And That's I, really important. What about rehearsal? I mean, you know, actors clearly rehearse a heck of a lot, and, and so do others. I'm, you know, any kind of, of, of perform art, artist who's performing... Uh, has to rehearse extensively, but should should business people rehearse uh, obsessively? I mean, ha- what what does a good rehearsal look like? Should you be trying to do it five times, ten times? Um, the more, the better. What's your own view on that? I say the more, the better, absolutely, because it will give you the confidence you need. It's one of the things that helps you get on that stage without too much nerves. And you're right, Mike. You made a point earlier on about the adrenaline that all of us get. We all have a Adrenaline, adrenaline that kicks in just before you get out there to speak. Questions how much of that? And if you've been rehearsed or you have been rehearsing before, you'll find, yeah, I've got that under my belt. I can now step onto that stage, look at the audience and feel comfortable talking to them, yeah. reacting to them, improvising perhaps a little bit in the moment where you might get that odd laugh or the odd question and know that you're okay because you've been rehearsed well enough with that flow of that mind map or yeah. script or bullet point that you can come back to it any time you want to. And it's a, it's a wonderful feeling oh. when you are on stage and you're in control and you've, you feel, I know the material, I know what's going on here, and it's, it's incredible, it's an incredible drug, really. It's and, a and, wonderful when, and I think drug. when people get it right... They come off stage and think, this is amazing. I want to be out there speaking every, every week. Absolutely. Um, and that you, the terror of public speaking, you know, the flip side of that is just the enormous rewards exactly. when, you, when you do well and do it properly. Yes. I just want to share with you a story, actually, of one of my clients who worked um, one of the top financial companies. And he had to speak. He's, you know, a director of HR there and loves public speaking, but wasn't prepared when he was told he was going to go off and speak to I think about 2,000 people <laughs> and he went okay it's a slightly bigger ball game than I'm used to however what we had to do there was actually get him to work with the space as well so it's not even just coming up and speaking because what most people don't know what to do is what do they do with their bodies mm. after a time some people sort of wander around the space. Others just sort of mindlessly sort of walk up and down the space. But actually using the space to anchor your message is very powerful. Yeah. You know, what do I want to say at this point? When do I take a step forward? When do I take a step sideways? When do I use my gesture and my body to help 
the audience remember this piece of information? When do I come back there mm. to reinforce that information? It's tremendously powerful. And that does take rehearsal. Because you can't get on the stage and just wing that. No, you need to know to know where to go, and, and that, that is that is such a good um, explanation of, of of something. And where the movement goes wrong, I think, is is where it it's got no relation to what the person is saying, and you get the you get the the sort of person just going backs and forwards on the stage or just strolling around the stage, and it's all very random and can be very very distracting, um, particularly if there's some, also some random hand gestures thrown in all over the place, and there's no it's not choreographed in any way. Yes, but if if you can use the movement from one point in the on the stage to another point on the stage to to bridge between two stories or to, to signify a change of pace mm. or a different emotion in the mm. talk um all those things are are great 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 but they don't they don't happen by accident no do they? they absolutely don't and that's why a coach is so powerful because a coach supports you on that journey it's hard it's like an actor saying where do I move next without the director's eye? Mm. It's pretty tough doing this on your own. Even if you're good at it, you do need that external eye to say, yes, that works. That doesn't. Try this. Do, you know, explore that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. No, so, even a coach needs a coach. Huh? Exactly. Even a coach needs a coach. You're absolutely <laughs> Especially a right. coach. Absolutely. Um, so how did, you, how did you become a coach? How did you get into this, Lisa? So I got, the, got into it actually by accident, dare I say. Um, you know, I'm going to take you a little further back because I want you to see the journey I took to arrive here, which is quite interesting. So I grew up in Singapore. And when I grew up, I was actually, it was the last thing in my mind thinking I'd be standing on a stage performing, let alone training other people to do this work. Because I was rather timid as a child growing up, one of four and sat, sorry, one of five sitting fourth down the, the chain. Yeah. And, you know, my mum was very much the sort of matriarch of the family saying, right, all the five children, you're off speech and drama classes from the time dot, really. And out in Singapore, which is a very high achieving sort of country and everyone wants their children to do their best. This was part of the sort of curriculum and you sort of sent your children to speech and drama classes. So I sort of fell into it by accident. And at the time I was taught by, dare I say, two rather formidable Irish nuns. <laughs> okay. so you can just imagine that yeah. what that was like. You know, there was no escaping, there was no hiding. But what it did for me was give me a phenomenal amount of confidence on my journey as I was growing up. And by the time I came over to the UK to sort of study, do my university, train as an actress, and then take on and the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama, where I became a specialised voice practitioner, I was ready by then to sort of, right, take this work into a very large audience. So helping actors, as you can imagine, in the first sort of couple of years of my training actors, onto stages like the Globe, you know, mm. where you have you know, numerous people all around you. That must be one of the most difficult it's venues. It's very difficult to venue control. because you haven't got the you know, you haven't got the padding or rather the lovely wooden spaces to bounce back your voice. It's open air. But it's very well designed to. So if you've got a good craft and you're well trained, you can handle that space well. Um, whereas, you know, the national and various other bigger venues, you've got, you know, there's design to for voices to bounce back. So having worked within sort of the, those domains mm. and worked with actors, I just sort of accidentally fell into the voice coaching world, 
with business people because I was asked to co-design a program for women in the Met Police, believe it or not, because right. that was a very, that still is, I think, a very hierarchical sort of structured place. And these women lacked assertive confidence gravitas. So it was about enabling them to use these skills, the body, the breath, the voice, to show up in a way that gave them that sort of inner power to speak up, to have their voices heard. And from there, branching out, working in the public sector, the private sector, recognizing that within all these different cultures, the same themes arise. I'm sure you recognize mm -hmm. this in your work as well. You know, how can I be more impactful? How can I be seen as the next leader? I've got that presence that I'm actually thought to be the person that's given the opportunity to step up in my job role, to be offered that promotion. Because we often think, actually, if I put my head down, work really hard, deliver, I'm automatically going to be promoted. And I've realized through, you know, there's 20 odd years working with business people, that isn't the automatic. No, and, and these, these speeches and, and these big meetings and presentations are the key moments where, that can define careers. Absolutely. And that's why they're so exciting yes. to work on. And, and I said that there was someone I was working with the other day who um, was on the cusp of being made a partner mm. in one of the big consultancies. And, and he's got a speech coming up in front of 200 of the people in his department. And I said, this is your moment you know this has to go well no pressure but you know this is the moment where that can can define your career you can you can put a statement today that you are going to be one of the leaders of this business and he was just so excited I don't think he'd processed quite what a big moment it, it, it was yes. and and I don't think people sometimes people maybe they're they just you know put it shove it under the under the under the carpet or procrastinate or find reasons not to prepare enough for these speeches and these moments. But they, they can be defining. They um, can be hugely defining. And it also depends on where people are at in their careers. Because I remember one of the earliest pieces of work I did was with a woman who's highly talented, very bright, and had huge potential in a very big drinks organisation, beverage company. And she was groomed if you like to really move up from director role further up the chain however what was happening within the organization was her team didn't see her as a leader and her pre the president of the organization said would you be able to do some sessions with her because she's not showing up as a leader now I was obviously at the time rather confused about what she was doing because I was hearing all different stories about this particular individual when I met her and we sat down to speak I realized what the issues were. She sat round the meeting table. She'd sit back in her chair. She would hardly contribute because she felt in her head she didn't need to unless asked to or unless mm. she had something valuable to contribute. And often it wasn't very much. So they didn't actually see her showing up, having the presence, having the authority, having the gravitas that was needed for that leadership promotion and role. Mm. Now, you know, it did take us a good number of months to get her there and to get her to realize that actually what she's doing in her job role was not the defining factor for the promotion it was also how she showed up and within six months she went back and I remember that phone call when she called me and said you're not going to believe it I've got the promotion mm. whereas actually they were thinking they might have to let her go 
Yeah. So you're right, That's defining moment. And then for, for, for women in the context of we need more women at the top of business and goodness knows everything we've heard the last six months a year mm. about women in the workplace and the gender pay gap. This, this, is, um, this is a kind of mission for people like, like you now. And, and for me, if they'll take help from, help from me. But, you know, it's, it's a very, very important issue for, for our business and, and, and the health of our society. Absolutely. It's a very, very big part. And, you know, one of the things certainly I recognize doing a lot of work with women is how often women also will hold themselves back. And that's through a lot. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons. But I would say often women don't put themselves forward. They don't ask you know, whether it's for mm. that promotion, for that pay rise, you know, for an audience. You know, I think men, are, you, you guys are much better at doing that. They don't negotiate salaries. They are often very grateful for what comes their way. It's like, thank you very much for that promotion, rather mm. than actually, do you know what? I bring so much to this company. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I never mastered the art of, of getting a promotion or a pay rise. That's why I had to set up my own company in the end. <laughs> so at least I could pay myself what I, what I could. <laughs> well, that's not a bad step, actually. You're probably yeah. going to pay yourself pretty well over the years well, to come. I don't know. Um, we'll see how it goes. But at least this has been a, a fascinating chat. Thank you so much for coming on the on the podcast and, and sharing really the secrets of of voice the power of voice and and presentation and it is such a fascinating and such um an important area i think and and an empowering area and as we've been discussing an area that can can define careers and and even make or break companies depending on, on 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 the leadership so um thank you very much and good luck with all of your activities and all of your coaching work Thank you so much, Mike. I've so enjoyed speaking to you. And thank you very much for having me on your podcast. No problem. Bye-bye.